Hey everybody, welcome to another episode, another Sermon Extra podcast episode where we are just taking a little bit of a deeper dive into the message or the topic that we are currently talking about on Sunday mornings. And yesterday we wrapped up our series called Sojourners, the Good News for Immigrants. And obviously we've been looking at a biblical view of immigrants and refugees. Um, and every February or so here at Table Church, we try to do a series that has to do with our third core value, which is do justice. And so we try to do a series on biblical justice. And in this instance, we're talking about a biblical view of immigration. Um, and it also is an excuse for us to talk about our new Immigrant Connection office that just opened in January. On Sunday, yesterday, you guys got to hear from Taryn and Natalie, who are now approved legal representatives for immigration law. And uh, if you didn't, if you weren't there, if you haven't heard it, be sure to go back and check it out. It was great. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you must not have been in church the last few weeks, uh, so be sure to go listen. But yes, we have officially opened an Immigrant Connection office where we are now offering high-quality, low-cost immigration legal services to our community, which is pretty exciting. Um, and today, in this little episode, I don't want to necessarily talk about anything from the sermon yesterday, but I do want to touch on some things that are important for us to know anytime we're talking about biblical justice. And so this definitely has to do with our series, but it's just something that I haven't had a chance to work into any sermons and want to make sure that I get it out there. I've talked about it before. In fact, I'm reaching into some material here today that I preached on in 2019. So if this sounds familiar, you have an amazing memory. Um, but it's some, some words that come up in the Bible that are really important for any discussion of biblical justice. I got three words I want to talk about, three Hebrew words, and the first one is the word shalom. Now, if you've been around church circles for a while, you may have heard the word shalom. It's the Hebrew word that's most often translated as peace, but it means much more than simply that, if by peace we simply mean lack of conflict. In fact, the Hebrew dictionary describes shalom this way. It says completeness, soundness, welfare, or, of course, peace. So, Shalom is about something being complete. It's about wholeness. For example, in Joshua chapter 8, we read about an altar that is being built of, quote, unbroken stones. That's simply the word shalom used as an adjective. Uh, shalom stones are stones that are unbroken, without blemish, if you will. In Genesis 29, verse 4, Jacob asks about his uncle Laban. He says, is he well? Well, he's literally asking, is Shalom with him? He is not asking if his uncle Laban is at war or not, right? Is there conflict with Laban? He's not saying that. He's asking if his uncle is flourishing in all aspects of his life, if he has Shalom, completeness, wholeness, soundness. In Isaiah chapter 54, verses 11 through 14, God is speaking and he's reassuring a battered and beaten Jerusalem that restoration is coming to them. He says, Afflicted city lashed by storms and not comforted, I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with lapis lazuli, that's a precious stone. I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stones, and all your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their shalom. I think in the English it's translated as peace. Great will be their peace, their shalom, their, their wholeness. Now, 
as you can see, he's not just saying, hey, the war is not going to happen anymore. You know, it's not just an absence of conflict. It's like, no, like Israel, you will be reconstructed. Um, you will flourish. When It's when all is as it should be. And God is saying to Israel, that day is coming again to you. It's when people are healthy and whole and reconciled to one another and society is flourishing and all that. Um, now, when someone is oppressed or when someone is sick or hurt, they are without shalom. But then when their well-being is restored, they are brought back to shalom. So the image that you sometimes hear about is like a tapestry or a weave where there's a hole or a tear in it. That's without shalom. But once it's re- repaired, uh, shalom has been restored. And that's that's like the, the biblical kind of illustration of society, of human relations, of human flourishing as a whole. Like this idea of all these, think about all the fibers in a piece of cloth that are interweaving, interwoven together. And when, and where they're all in harmony, that's shalom. So shalom is an integral theme in the Old Testament. In Isaiah, it's what God restores to a broken people. And shalom with God and with each other in the promised land is arguably the primary objective of the Old Testament. Like that's what it's all trying to get to, you know. Shalom is a vision of the world as God intended it to be, where all things are right. So it's something that the, it's also something the Bible envisions as extending the entire world, not just Israel. Zechariah 9 describes a time when wars will cease, and it says, God, he will proclaim shalom to the nations. He will rule, his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And so we're seeing that, that this vision of shalom is like God's vision is that it would extend to the entire world. And so what I hope you're seeing is that when it comes to justice, if for the Bible, justice means shalom, that means that our understanding of justice is often too narrow because we often define justice as just like punishment for wrongdoing. So when somebody is punished for a crime, we'll say like justice has been served. Now, the Bible does call that justice. That's just part of justice. And, and, and we might call that a reactive kind of justice, but the Bible pulls us towards a much bigger view of justice than just the reactive kind, like something wrong happens and now we have to react in order to punish them. That's a very, that's only part of it. Um, The Bible envisions a wholeness, a completeness, almost like a preemptive kind of justice. It extends across the whole world and it's not just about punishment. So listen, uh, shalom is the biblical vision of wholeness and flourishing that extends to all people. So that's one word. I want to give you two more words real quick. Mishpat and tzedakah. Mishpat and tzedakah. Mishpat is the word usually translated justice. Tzedakah is righteousness. I want to talk about tzedakah, righteousness first, because, well, first of all, these two words, they go together. They're like Batman and Robin in the Bible. They're a dynamic duo. They're constantly, constantly um, going together. And uh, what's difficult for us when it comes to tzedakah or righteousness is that um, we often think of a judgmental, arrogant person when we think of a righteous person, you know, somebody who has like an overbearing moral code or who refuses to dance and play cards, uh, right? Like that's a righteous person for us. Um, and so as a result, we can call someone self-righteous. Like a lot of times that person is like, I don't know. Yeah. That's a negative understanding of how we think of righteous. A more positive one would be somebody who just has a high moral code. Um, somebody who, you know, has a high standard of ethics. That's a righteous person. But what I'm trying to point out is a lot of times we just think about it as an, at an individual level, you know? Um, but when, 
righteousness or tzedakah is paired with justice throughout the Bible, what we suddenly realize is that it's not just about an individualistic thing. It's, it's not just somebody with a scrupulous code of, more, of personal morality. That's not a righteous person. You know, as long, if they have no concern for others, that person is not righteous because the Bible puts it hand in hand with justice, which is a very social word. Um, in the Bible, one cannot have personal righteousness without also having social justice, right? And vice versa. So one example in the Bible would be Joseph, Mary's husband. Uh, Joseph is called a righteous man. So he would be, have been a, a tzaddik. That's from the word tzedakah. Uh, a righteous man, because he, Joseph, had a careful devotion, a scrupulous devotion to the law of God. But notice what happened. When things got messy, like his fiance got pregnant, you know what Joseph did? He actually kind of skirts around the law a little bit in order to protect Mary. Because being a pregnant woman outside of marriage, uh, she could have been punished. And so he he actually, uh, I guess in some from some perspective, skirts around the law, and yet that was not seen as an act of unrighteousness. It, that was precisely the thing that made him righteous. He was an example of mishpat and tzedakah, justice and righteousness. Um, some other examples of mishpat and tzedakah together. Um, I got several here. I'm just trying to decide what I want what I want to say. So in Genesis 12, God chooses a man named Abram to be the father of Israel, and he promises that all nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Um, and Essentially, this is launching God's plan of redemption for all humanity. And in chapter 18, God reiterates this promise. And he gives us insight into how this promise will be fulfilled. He says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. All nations on the earth will be blessed through him, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is, listen, right and just. Tzedakah and Mishpat. So that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So the promises of God to Abraham were to come first and foremost by being a people who practice justice and righteousness. Another good example is in Amos. This is a powerful passage. He says this, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me as a preacher, right? I'm, I'm hearing like, I despise your church services. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But listen, let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Okay, mishpat and tzedakah is what those words are. God's saying to Israel, look, I hate your worship services. I'm sick of your Christian movies. I'm tired of your, of your, you know, your songs. If I have to hear one more sermon, I'm going to break something. Because you don't have mishpat and tzedakah. He says, here's what I want. I want a mighty river of justice and righteousness. I want it to be an avalanche. I want my people to flood the earth with justice and righteousness. So shalom has been broken. There are people who are oppressed among you. There are those who are poor among you. But your priority, God is saying, is to restore shalom where there is none. Forget about your sacrifices. Cancel church. There's oppression among you. And so I believe that one of the reasons we're doing Immigrant Connection is because it restores shalom to people in our community, to the, the live, we're talking about people who come from, from some of the most difficult and, um, broken circumstances that we can possibly imagine. And, and this is just one way, not the way, right? But it's one way that we are hopefully going to become more of a people of Mishpat and Sedeca, of justice and righteousness. And 
yeah, um, that tapestry of shalom, there's all sorts of holes in it in our world and in our community. And, and our job as believers is to come in and start to restore those, those areas of hurt and brokenness and to bring completeness and wholeness, to bring shalom to it. And uh, I, f- I feel like Immigrant Connection is one really, really beautiful way that we can do that. So if you heard, if you were there on Sunday, if you listened to the sermon, you heard Natalie and Taryn kind of share their hearts about, about um, Immigrant Connection, please be praying for them. Please be praying for us. And um, let's just continue to be a church that pursues this, all right? Thanks so much for being amazing. Love this church. Love being your pastor. Um, what an honor. So... Thanks for listening, and if yeah, if you have anything to add, feel free to reach out. God bless.